podcast and YouTube blog covering the German startup scene with news, interviews, and live events. Welcome, everybody. This is Joe from Celebrate.io, your startup podcast and YouTube blog, bringing you another podcast together with our sponsor, Invest in Hessen, here in Tech Startups Germany. I am right now in my cramped office in the time of the Corona lockdown and I do cough and sneeze a little bit. I'm very sorry about this. Don't worry about me. This is just my hay fever. I do have an awesome guest here. Hello, Gunyan. How are you doing? Fantastic. Hello. I was actually Googling your name and um, I realized there's even an actor with the same name, unless you have a side career I don't know about. So you're not the actor, you are the entrepreneur, right? Yeah, my acting skills were tested only till my university days in IIT Bombay. Since then, I'm doing other stuff. So yes, he's a different guy. <laughs> okay, now that we have this out of the way, I do believe we lose a lot of views from this point on in the video interview. <laughs> um, let, let's talk a little bit about you because you are a former consultant with EY and BCG. You are also a TED speaker. Everybody who sees this or listens to this, go down here. There is a link to our blog post. And in the blog post, you'll also find your TED talk and your author of the book, Inside the Cockpit, Navigating the Complexity of Drag Development with AI and Blockchain. And we're talking here because you're the founder and CEO of Inoplexus. And what actually surprised me a lot is you are not a physician, you are not a medical professional, but you're a business and IT guy. So can you tell us, can you take us on your journey? What brought you to today's Inoplexus? Thank you, uh, of course. So I come originally from India, the desert state, Rajasthan. Uh, Some, some people call it the Indian Swabia. I grew up in a township as my dad worked for the Department of Atomic Energy. And as children, me and my friends, what we discussed were problems in maths and physics. It was a fantastic childhood. I went then to a boarding school, uh, military style uh, boarding school, and then I had a choice of either going to our elite uh, tech schools, Indian Institute of Technology, or going to the Defense Academy because I love math physics more. I chose to write the entrance exam and eventually I got into Indian Institute of Technology, Bombay. Uh, people in Germany don't know about IITs, but just as a reference, both the CEOs of Google and IBM Uh, both of them are IIT alumni. So in the Bay Area, in US, and in the English-speaking part of the world, there are many tech and business leaders who all are IIT alumni. As a middle-class Indian, when I got into that school, that was the first time when I realized everything is possible. Because you had such fantastic, super intelligent people across in your dorm, in your hostel, uh, in the institute, um, and when you heard these big names making big in the world of tech, be it the CTO of Cisco, 
um, a friend who studied with myself uh, uh, is now the CTO of Twitter. You got a lot of confidence. And right in my second semester, I went on to see an uh, alumnus who was a very successful entrepreneur to ask him, uh, how can I become an entrepreneur? And that was my first test. Uh, he said, what do you want to build? I said, uh, pneumatic walls. Uh, and he said, that's a bit too complicated. Why don't you start uh, manufacturing bean bags where you sit? Said, um, go out in the market and find out for how much you can manufacture one. I said, 700 rupees. And then I went out in a big mall to see it's being sold for 7,000 to 10,000 rupees. So we dropped our idea of pneumatic walls and we produced uh, bean bags and sold them in South Mumbai. And there nobody cared about, you know, where you studied, how high or low your IQ was, which family you come from. What people cared about is how good your bean bag is. And that's actually what we sold sitting on a motorbike taking two bean bags on, on shoulders, going door to door. That was my first entre entrepreneurship experience. After IIT, I came to Germany on a DAD, DAD scholarship. Which is the German Academic Exchange Service. Uh, link, of course, down here in the show notes for everybody who's curious to get to Germany. Thank you. Um, I came to Germany, eventually did my uh, doctorate at European Business School uh, close to Frankfurt. I worked for ENY and BCG, and I still remember uh, my start at ENY was also very crazy. So when I got into my master's program, I took 16 courses in my first semester. And the director of that school, where now I am honored to sit in the advisory board of the Dean's uh, Committee, uh, uh, the business school in Fortsheim. The director of the program then told me, Gunjan, you'll have a burnout, you will die. You, know, you, you should calm down a bit and not do that much. So I was working for two professors um, and I was you know, attending lectures and you know, sleeping three, four hours a day, which I still do uh, for a long time. And as I was still not satisfied, she said, um, you know, go and talk to this professor who is a brilliant professor and he would have some ideas of, you know, making you busy and finding something cool for you. So I wait in front of the lecture, um, lecture hall where Professor Michael Chardon, a senior partner at Ernst Young was teaching. He comes out, he says, what do you want? I said, I want to do something cool. He said, do you speak German? I said, no. Uh, have you ever done anything with accounting? I said, no. Uh, but within two days, I started my first internship in German tech system in Professor Chardon's team. And within five minutes, I entered the office. I had a double taxation agreement in my hand, and I had to solve a problem. Now, Article 5, German-Chinese DTAA, on finding out whether a company has a permanent establishment in China or not. That's how I started in ENY. Uh, and that's how I learned the German I speak today. 
Um, we, 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 we may add double taxing agreement is an agreement between two states that a company only has to pay taxes on revenues in, in one of the, the, the states, for example, either in China or in uh, Germany, in your example, right? Right, right. Um, so absolutely crazy. That's how I learned my German. And I tell this also in different talks and interviews. My biggest um, learning from that period was German tax advisors do not speak English. They speak Steuerdeutsch or tax German. And that's true for, for all the domains, be it financial services, be it medicine, etc. Uh, while I was there, uh, the global advisory leader, who was a British Indian, fantastic mentor, uh, Nick Pasricha. Nick told me, Gunjan, fantastic CV, uh, everything brilliant, but you, you are in a wrong country. Because in Germany, you would take three times as long as you would take in US or UK. Uh, however, with the support, love and mentorship of fantastic people in this wonderful country, Uh, it was not the case. Actually, I grew up faster than probably if I would have been in US or UK. Uh, did uh, had some fantastic friendships in the industry. Uh, did some real crazy entrepreneurial stuff. And while I was doing all this, my first mentor, my boss, my first boss, and one of my dearest friends, where many weekends I was with his family, was diagnosed with cancer. And this was the first moment in my life where I saw the whole of uh, hopelessness. Um, and I could still remember this time. Imagine you having somebody you look up to as your father, as your elder brother, is lying, getting chemo with his three children and his wife standing next. And you are there. You can be the most brilliant person, you could have everything, you could have a great network, but you cannot do anything in that moment. And there are questions that all of us have in such a situation. What are the alternatives to what the doctor is suggesting? Who are the real experts who could provide a qualified second opinion? No answers. I went to German Cancer Society, ringed up my friends and mentors who have been guiding me from the big pharma, Uh, biotech, so life science industry, they all said, uh, Gunjan, these questions are fundamental, not just to a patient or, their, uh, or his or her loved ones, but for the entire industry. And there are no ready-made solutions because drug discovery and development is all about data, data that's exploding. Some studies say that the doubling time of medical knowledge is 73 days. Just imagine data at the start of the year is th more than 32 times by the end of the year. And the degree of specificity in this data is so high because of an increasing rate of innovation. If you want to have a complete picture on one topic, the data is spread all over. Different data sources in the published universe, but also in the unpublished universe. So mountains of data exploding and unanswered questions rendering us not just the loved ones of patients who need acute care, but also the industry in this hole of hopelessness. What do we do?
Coming in from India, my first instinct was to throw resources at problems because we have too many. We have 1.3 billion people. So I said, you know, let's hire analysts and annotate all this data manually, but that wouldn't be sustainable, which has been proven. Uh, it's not a sustainable business model to base this over a manual annotation. And so from 2011 till 2015, I did a lot of experimentation with AI. And finally, end of 2015, we set up InnoPlexus. That's the story of how we found. Whew, that, that, that is quite a lot of um, stuff to take in. It's really a great story. And admittedly, um, I, I really like it. I can feel it. I lost uh, uh, also close family members to cancer. But um, your kind of mission is not only to fight cancer, but to help fight all diseases, right? Right. Absolutely. So we want, we wanted right from the beginning to create a scalable AI that provides a platform to solve all relevant questions, problems in drug discovery and development. A lot that I was seeing when we just started was approaches that would solve point problems. You pick up a disease, uh, ALS, Parkinson's, You buy all the data, do a research graph, and then on top of this research graph, try to make predictions, identifying a silver bullet, a hidden interrelationship. We all forget doing that, that biology is a complex system. You might have a, a target in the human gut that impacts a disease in the, in the brain, say Alzheimer's. So you cannot create a silo. You can't have a siloed approach to solving problems in drug discovery and development. You need a universal approach, a universal research graph. You need to look at the complete value chain, not just on science and science alone, but also aspects related to clinical development and uh, whether while commercializing A drug, a therapy would have a critical mass of unmet medical needs because that's where most of the investment in drug discovery goes in. We looked at those aspects and created this platform. And fortunately, this platform is today not just helping biotechs and farmers. Uh, it's also helping investors who want to invest in listed life science companies because we found something very interesting, Jan. Um, even though the returns of all listed life science companies last year was below market, we studied for the past five years the daily abnormal returns of all NYSE and NASDAQ listed companies. 50% of the highest daily abnormal returns came from biotechs and big farmers. 50% of the highest daily fluctuations. And 50%, almost half of those daily abnormal returns can be explained by one single event. And that event is the clinical trial readout. That means if you can predict the readout with a high precision, you also would uh, can invest in the right stocks, in the right opportunities uh, at the right point in time. 
And so the engine that helps uh, pharmas and biotechs optimize their clinical designs, their studies, is also being used by investors to identify the right opportunities. We are also launching a patient app called Curia for cancer patients uh, in April, which would precisely answer the questions I had when my friend got sick. And to be very honest, we get these requests even today. One of uh, the most successful hedge fund managers in US reached out to me um, late last year, uh, saying his son has a glioblastoma. And he was at a very famous US uh, healthcare institute. And because nothing was done, he had to be moved out to a different institute based out of New York he said, Gunjan, what can your machine say? What are the alternatives and who are the real experts for his specific kind of GBM? We gave the answer. Fortunately, that expert set in set, DKF set in Heidelberg, which we promptly connected to the physician treating that boy. And that boy is doing fine. We, we, we may just add, sorry for the interruptions, it's for everybody who doesn't understand German and we also always try to explain a lot here and basically um, uh, this, uh, the, uh, this is the German uh, Cancer Research Center in Heidelberg, which is a very famous place, uh, one of the world's oldest universities, they do a lot of medical research. Sorry for the interruption, go on. No, absolutely. So one sees, even though you could have all the money in the world, you could have the best network. But when it comes to a question of life and death, a disease, everybody is vulnerable. And we see this so well in today's times of coronavirus. The entire humanity is rendered so vulnerable and so hopeless in these times. And you see, you know, uh, fundamental human values of solidarity, of trust, are being put uh, under a question mark so severely. And human beings do that when they, are ex when they feel extremely vulnerable. Uh, and our goal, our hope, our dream is to take this hopelessness out, to bring more transparency, to use the power of AI at scale not to just address some siloed questions, problems, but to, to transform drug discovery and development fundamentally. Ah, that's a pretty big mission. I was just, uh, when I was uh, in the time you were talking, I always take show notes and we'll have a hell lot of resources and further readings down here in the show notes. For example, um, are you aware of the very special story of the Alzheimer's disease? It was discovered by uh, a doctor called Dr. Alzheimer and actually patient zero for him was a lady in Frankfurt. So Frankfurt does have a history with Alzheimer disease. That said, uh, what are you currently working on? Because we are in the times of COVID-19 and from my understanding, you're also working to help fight uh, this outbreak, right? Absolutely. So as soon as it, uh, it started um, in China, at uh, least uh, mid of January, we looked at using our platform to do two things. 
first identify the most potent combinations uh, using simulations on our AI platform, and then going in for a validation uh, with in vivo and in vitro studies. And second, working on a completely new molecule, which would address the current strains of the coronavirus, but also the future strains. Because, you know, this problem or this challenge that we all are facing will not stop with the current coronavirus strains. There would be further strains coming in. Uh, may, may, may I interrupt you? It's, it's also the same with, for example, the flu disease, right? So um, Spanish flu, for example, people may know it's wreaking, it's been wreaking havoc on the world especially in the aftermath of the first world war uh 1918 1919 in this winter and uh the the virus is still out there and is evolving it's mutating and all the other diseases do almost the same right right no absolutely and and on the combination side we first focused on the combinations with chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine, there is a lot of evidence that these drugs, which have been available, I think chloroquine was first uh, got market authorization as early as in 1934. So originally from a German company called Bayer uh, and has been, has been used widely in different countries against malaria. Um, One dosage is around four euro cents. Um, and we have seen uh, that certain combinations of chloroquine and hydroxychloroquine have um, a very high probability of being potent against COVID, uh, against coronavirus. And some studies are actually confirming some clinical studies results that are recently come. One from France, I think uh, late uh, last week uh, or early this week, has confirmed that a combination is extremely potent. Um, and the governments, we, we appeal to all the governments to, to make, uh, to provide a conditional approval to these combinations that we could, we could have a prophylactic use for healthcare workers to save a number of lives. And at the same time, uh, have a coordinated approach towards studies. What we are seeing now, Jan, is you know there are various studies taking place in different countries everybody is cooking his or her own soup even in europe and it's a shame um, you are hearing uh, companies being forbidden big pharmaceutical companies to export drugs that they always did you would have a plant in france you'll have a uh, a plant in germany plant in uk you would produce there and you would ship the drugs where they are needed Governments are stopping those exports. Where are we living in? You know, the true test of character of human beings is always during the times of crisis. Is this the character Europe wants to show? Everybody for himself or herself? It's extremely, extremely important. We do not have to flatten the curve and only flatten the curve. We have to flatten the disease. And if we want to flatten the disease, we have to look at the cures, have a coordinated approach, provide a conditional ap uh, approval to these combinations of hydroxychloroquine and chloroquine at the same time 
As I mentioned, start coordinated clinical studies because if you'd have multiple studies, all those studies would compete for the same patients, i.e. the studies would take longer to come out with results, which would further delay an effective medication that all of our people so badly need. I see. Um, can you, for us to kind of understand your role for everybody who's like a biotech entrepreneur out there or researcher who'd like to access use your tool could you a little bit describe how you're actually involved in there what the people could do with your platform to help fight COVID-19 sure so um beyond excellent question so we have this platform which has all the information around COVID-19 structured and rendered searchable for relevance in this universal graph which sits uh, under our platform, uh, which is being updated in real time. On top of this platform, we apply various AI approaches, neural networks, deep learning, reinforced learning, in order to identify potent molecules that would bind effectively, molecules which would have a very a favorable adverse event profile, so you know, uh, minimum side effects, high efficacy, and also a number of other medical parameters that we test. Eventually, we also look at the probability of success of such a novel molecule in terms of synthesis, uh, because you'd have to manufacture that mo molecule, you'll have to produce that, and also probability of success in a clinical setting. So if you would really test it in a clinical study, what would be the probability of success? So we do that with tools that sit on top of this platform. And, and we are providing this platform for free for any biotech or pharma company that's working on a novel vaccine or working on a cure for coronavirus. We have provided free access to the platform, the underlying platform, to a number of research institutes, over 50 globally. We have also put up a dashboard that provides real-time updates on COVID-19 in terms of clinical studies, in terms of publications that are taking, uh, but also the, uh, the incidences uh, at a global scale. And of course, everybody who'd like to learn more, go down here in the show notes. Of course, there's your private LinkedIn profile link, as well as all the um, as all the links towards uh, Inaplexus. And there you can find your spot to get on the platform. Um, this will be published on 16th of April 2020. So there is still some time uh at least for the uh, for the time now that we will be in uh, home quarantine here in Germany. And I do assume there will be a lot of interest for this. That said, I'd like to thank you for the first part of our interview. And everybody who'd like to learn more, go down in the show notes or just listen to our next interview, part two of your interview, where we talk about fundraising. Thank you very much so far. That's all, folks. 
Find more news, streams, events, and interviews at www.startuprad.io. Remember, sharing is caring.